So the Christmas weekend is uh, behind us. Um, I'm sure John Shannon was uh, at all the stores for Boxing Day yesterday. Not a chance. Gobbling up uh, all the uh, the cheap stuff that's left over from Christmas. Gobbling up is correct, Bob. Oh. <laughs> this is leftover city at the Shannon household. Two hockey pucks and a golfer on the show today. Uh, Spezza and Subban and uh, Mackenzie Hughes, who had a uh, pretty good year for, uh, for himself and for representing Canada, mm-hmm. waving the red and white flag sure. on the uh, PGA Tour. Two guys that uh, aren't going to go to the Olympics and one guy that did. Yes, I think you're probably <laughs> right about that yeah. as I think about it. Spetsa Subban Hughes, this time on the best of the Bob and Callum podcast. With uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Jason Spetsa. Hold on, hold on. Do you know, listen, do you, Jason Spetsa, do you know that McCowan doesn't do interviews with athletes? Do you know what, do you know how special this is? I didn't know that. So I'm honored, guys. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll let you know how it goes at the end of it. Spetsa. <laughs> right. yeah. Maybe we'll have you back. You can rate me and I'll rate you. You can rate me and I'll rate you. Good for you. <laughs> Well, look at off the top. Um, here's where I wanted to go with this. Um, I'm I'm intrigued by your decision to um, come home essentially and play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm wondering how much of the decision that you made was based on that logo, that team, and how much of it was the potential that the club showed when you came here, uh, or or what did it have to be a combination of the two? Yeah, I think it was a, a total package. I think if um, if the Leafs weren't in the position that the franchise was in at the time to kind of be looking to make the next steps and competitive and in the playoffs and a team that has a chance to win, then I wouldn't have considered it. Um, because at this point in my career, I, I knew I probably had one more spot in me before uh, retirement and I didn't want to move my family around too much. So um, it was in, but then with being Toronto in the position they were in, it was a, a no brainer for me. i you know, I grew up a Leaf fan. I have all my family in Toronto and love being in the city. And uh, it was a great opportunity. Jason, is, is, is that part of the story of uh, earlier this year when, uh, when, when Kyle had to make some moves and roster moves and, and made the waiver uh, situation for you? And, and you and Rick Curran talked about it and said, if, if, if you don't, if you get picked up, you're just not going to play anymore. Yeah, I'm just not willing to move away from my family at this point. It's, I got four young girls that are, you know, in a, in a very, you know, transitional ages and um, that we want to get them settled in school. And I'm, I'm very happy in my situation here and just not looking for change. And with the cap and the taxi squad and all the stuff that's going on this year, I knew that we'd talked before the year that there was going to be something that might have to happen at some point early in the year to give us some flexibility and uh, just hope that nobody picked me up. And then we got, got back to playing. How much tougher is it at this point in your life at your age to go through a full season tougher I don't know I, I think it's exciting it's I've enjoyed this season uh in terms of the travel's been a little bit less with staying in the hotel and playing the same team back to back I think that's actually made it easier for me um in terms of being in the same place for a few days uh the, the west to east travel isn't the easiest so you know you feel a little bit after some of those days but um I got a great wife who supports me and takes care of the kids and gets them off to school every morning and allows me to sleep in and you know be a hockey player and without her I think it'd be very difficult but it's kind of a family affair when you try to play you know a little bit later into your career 
you travel, I tell you what, travel in Toronto, even during the pandemic, isn't near as bad when after those years you played in Dallas. Travel in Dallas yeah. is maybe the worst. Yeah, it's fine. I talked to my wife about this. We, we find this year's schedule is similar to a Dallas schedule where you go on road trips and then you have homestands and road trips and homestands. Whereas, you know, usually when you play in this division, like when I was in Ottawa for all these years, it's you're home in your own bed by 1230 half the time on, on a road game. So definitely a little different feel. But with being in Dallas, it, it kind of prepared me for that. Now, take 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 this. I want you to take this as a compliment. But the, the, the last couple of years in Dallas, I thought you really slowed down. And I don't, I would tell you, you have, you found another gear here. It, it, do you feel you're faster now than you were in the last couple of years in Dallas? Or is it just my imagination? No, I feel like, I feel like this year, especially I feel faster on the ice. Um, I was, you know, with all the off season time and the, the first wave of, of break and then only playing five games in the bubble and then having another three months to train. I think I really took advantage of it and, looked at it as a, somewhere where I could take, get a little bit of an edge. I haven't had that big of a training block in a long time. So um, I credit to our staff here with the Leafs. I, I trained with, with the guys here in the, in the rink every day and they helped me out quite a bit. Um, in terms of, I was slowing down and I don't know if it's that drastic, you know, it's. No, no, Dallas, I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to be, Dallas, I wasn't trying to be negative. Dallas, you know, Dallas, the system's a little different. We bog things down a little more. We're, you know, stacking guys in the neutral zone. Uh, I'd say the style of play that we play here suits me well right now. So, but uh, everyone gets their opinion, right? <laughs> well, uh, no, it, but every time I watched you play in Dallas and see, and you, you, you just, you identified it was that you seemed to, once you got to the blue line, you would slow down and then survey what was going on. Yeah. And, and okay. And nobody's ever questioned how great a passer you are. So that was your, and, the, and let's face it, the puck goes faster than your skates. Yeah. Um, and I think another, another thing that isn't really, probably talked about or I, I transitioned to playing wing a little bit in Dallas like I played center and wing and up until that point I had never played any wing so I kind of there was times early there where I felt a little bit lost on the wing and standing still too much and not knowing how to get the puck and not knowing how to kind of move off the puck and that's something that now I've played so much flip-flopping between center and wing that I'm comfortable equally in both spots so that's helped me too the the, the changing to a winger 15 years into your career was a yeah. little bit different at first. Is it easier? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely easier. There's less responsibility for sure. Uh, centerman, you have more responsibility down low. I'm intrigued by um, getting to the age that you are at the, what is it like with your body to the recovery process? We, you know, we get the sense that when you're 20, 21, 22 years old, your recovery is pretty quick. You, you, you have a, a tough game, a couple of practices, whatever. You can bounce back. And that as you get older, that becomes more difficult. And that would seem natural. But are you experiencing that? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I've always been pretty diligent with my body, but I went through some back issues early in my career. And then again, right. uh, when I was 31, and it was pretty scary for me, actually, I my second back surgery, the recovery was, was not going that smooth. And it gets you kind of second guessing where you're at in your career and how much longer you'll be able to play. So um, from that point on, you know, it really becomes the focus. And I wake up every day and I kind of think about how to get my body prepared. And I'm usually the last guy to leave the rink because after games, you have to take care of yourself a little bit more. And um, it's just, it's a natural progression of being a, an older athlete, I guess, is that you have to take the extra time. 
Actually, what do you mean by that? Because I, re I remember those days uh, in your career in Ottawa, and I, I used to laugh at it all the time when Jacques was coaching. Uh, how many post-game interviews you did riding the bike? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, is, 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 is that whole post-game routine like that, and is it exercise and stretches, or what is it? Yeah, I still ride the bike, which not as many guys do. That's, I think they ingrained it in me in my Ottawa days. So I still ride the bike quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I usually try to lift after every game, especially now that I play less minutes. I, I find after games when I'm still warm from the game that uh, it's a good opportunity for me to get some strength work in. And then it's a lot of stretching. I have different routines that I do after games, cold tubs, and seeing the trainers. Uh, I just take my time getting out of the rink and make sure I'm feeling good leaving. Is this team better than what you thought it was going to be when you first came here? Um, well, I, I think we're different than last year's team. I think this, this year's team is a better version of last year's team in terms of uh, everybody seems to really kind of be on the same page. We've brought in good veteran guys to kind of calm the room at certain times and also give us a kick in the butt when we need to as a, as a group. And when you have multiple voices, I think it helps the, the whole cause. It doesn't put so much pressure on a few guys to kind of lead that vocally. Um, and yes, I think we're, we're in a good position right now. We're, we're a good team. I think I felt like we were coming to a good team. I don't think I knew how good Austin was. Um, you know, he's, he's the real deal. He's the guy that he's, he's a true number one center. And that's, I think you have to have that and have a chance to win. And uh, he's jumped off the page to me with how dedicated he is and, and just being that true number one guy. And then now they're putting him and Mitch together. They're, you know, near unstoppable most nights. And, and that makes us a real dangerous team. So have you ever lobbied, uh, you know, the, the Matthews, Marner, Spezza line? Has, has that ever occurred to, uh, to Sheldon? I have not. You'd have to ask him. And, uh, <laughs> but for me, I, I think the, there's been times when maybe I could have been there a few times and, I think it's important for me to really kind of be in control of that fourth line and be a good depth line. We're, I'm here to win hockey games I, as much as it's fun to score goals and get points. And I feel like that was kind of a lifetime ago for me. And now I'm just trying to be a, somebody that contributes to wins. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, can you describe your mental state from let's so 2007 you're, you, you're at the top of your game in Ottawa, you go to the Stanley cup final. Um, how different is your attitude about the game here 14 years later? Yeah, very different. Um, I, early on in my career, you're trying to be one of the best players in the league. You're trying to make Team Canada's. You're trying to win Stanley Cups. We had good teams. I felt like, you know, you're just pushing all the time, just trying to be better and better and better. Um, and then now at the latter part of my career, there was an adjustment phase. There was a period there where it was difficult seeing my ice time go from you know, 17, 18 minutes to 10. And you don't know how you can get anything done possibly in 10 minutes. And I remember thinking, boy, I got some phone calls to make to some teammates that I had wanting more out of them. It, it's not easy some nights to get things done in a little bit of ice time. But um, yeah, it's just a mindset change. And now I feel comfortable in that role. And now I feel like I can accomplish things. And you learn to adjust your game and you learn that there's some nights when not a whole lot's going to happen, but it, that's a good night too. So there's definitely an adjustment phase. One of the things that um, people talk about as well is um, one of the reasons you were, I, I'm, I'm sure, brought to this team was for lack of a better term, senior leadership. Um, and I, I don't know if that's overstated or not. And, and then you saw um, Thornton come in 
uh, to essentially share that role with you. And even more importantly, the fact that he's, he's older than you are. So you're, you're not the oldest guy on the club. Um, is, is that overstated that leadership thing, that experience that both you and Thornton have brought to this organization? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think especially in a market like Toronto, where every game there's lots of different opinions on how we're playing and what we're doing and how a three game skid seems like the end of the world and a three game winning streak seems like the top of the world. I think that's where you really need veterans to really be able to evaluate how you're playing as a team because, you know, it's never as good as it looks and it's never as bad as it looks. It's uh, it's always somewhere in the middle. So that's where I think it's been helpful having Wayne and Jumbo and these guys around to help with that, to help me and Johnny and the guys that have played. Um, and then it, the young guys definitely are the owners of this team in terms of they're the drivers of our team, but they need support and you can't do it all. And, and I think it, it was great moves by Kyle to bring in multiple guys because it's helped a lot. I know that when you were in Ottawa, um, even though the building wasn't sold out all the time, um, you were the star player or a star player on, on a very good team and a lot of recognition. I'm sure when you walked around on the streets, you go to Dallas and I, I gather it's not quite that same way you come to Toronto where I think it probably would be Ottawa times a bunch, but you haven't really experienced that because as much, at least because of COVID, but what's it been like being around this town being who you are and with the Leafs playing as well as they have. Yeah, I, I think it's fun. I love being kind of in the hopper. I, I enjoyed my time in Dallas, but you're right. It, it is different when you're in a Southern place. It's, you know, they really respect sports. So uh, as athletes, you get a lot of respect around town, but they don't know the game like they do in Canada. And, um, you know, the negatives are that things get broken down quite a bit, but the positives are everybody cares. And that's mm -hmm. kind of cool. You know, the, everything you do is important. And I think coming back to Toronto, that was something that I felt could rejuvenate my, my career and allow me to play for a few more years is just the pressure of every night being good and the pressure of playing in a place and the chance to win a cup in, in a city like this. The, you know, if you can do that, it's, it's pretty special. So um, I think it's helped drive me for sure. Would you have warned Joe Thornton about that? I mean, let's face it, all the time that Joe was in San Jose, it was kind of a, like he was in a suburb and it was... It was a fun thing in San Jose. It wasn't hardly, it wasn't the 49ers or the Giants. So it yeah. was totally different. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about Warren. I think, <laughs> I think he knew what he was getting into. He's Joe Thornton coming to Toronto, but, and he's a guy that if you guys know him, there's not much that phases him. He's pretty laid back and uh, pretty relaxed guy. Hey, you, you, you touched on something there uh, before about when you talked about uh, yourself and Tavares and Wayne Simmons. <laughs> Do you guys ever get together as a, as a foursome to, to say, okay, how do, how do we manage this? Or is this, is it, does this just occur organically? Um, nothing like formal, but we're lots of time together in hotels. So after games, there's conversations. Jake Muzzin's a guy that is a big leader in our room, Morgan Riley. Like we have multiple voices and you kind of go around and you survey the room and see what the temperature is and see if everybody's on the same page. And if it's not, then you kind of mesh those conversations in with each other and you make sure that everybody's talking to everybody. I think what's important is you don't have clicks and this team doesn't have clicks. And, and that's, you know, you want to make sure that everybody has the same opinions of what's going on and at least feels the same thing. So um, formal meetings, no, but lots of, you know, meetings around coffee and, 
mm-hmm. uh, playing cards and conversations. And, and that's where this year's as a team, I think, has been really cool and really unique is there's a lot of time together and there's a lot of time to talk about what's going on as well. The teams that you've played on in the past when you were in Ottawa, when you were in Dallas, was there one particular leader on, on those teams? Because it seems there are four of you at least, maybe even more on this team. Yeah, I think uh, Jamie Ben in Dallas is probably, you know, he's a true captain in this league in sense where he, you know, he's very influential in the city there. He's an ultimate teammate in terms of how he approaches the game. Uh, he's, you know, he does a great job of leading. There's a lot of pressure on him there, kind of carrying the mantle as the, the captain of that team. Uh, and then Daniel Alfredson was was a strong, strong leader in Ottawa and really, you know, very influential, important person, uh, was great for me as a young player to have a leader like that that was kind of an everyday guy that's how I like to kind of explain Alfie is that he just did things right all the time and just a great person and good family and just a great role model to kind of play with growing up uh, in my formative years so um, yeah but even back then you know Wade Redden was there you know Chris Phillips is a strong leader Chris Neal Chris Kelly like we had a a more committee style probably back then uh, uh, similar to what we have now uh not that not that you 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 should but you had you had something really good in ottawa there was you had something special there for for a lot of years when it was you and elfie and danny heatley that line was the best line in hockey um do you do you you look back at your time in ottawa and say you know we should have done better or how do you how do you look at your time there I just regret that we didn't win. I just think it's it's a shame that we didn't win. Um, our teams were so good for multiple years. We kind of knocked on the door. We got to the finals. My first run, we had the conference finals. We, you know, we lost in the second round in some heartbreaking games. And with those teams there for a maybe four or five year period, we felt like we were going to win every night. Like we came to the rink every night and we felt like we were going to win. And didn't matter what people said about us. It didn't matter. We felt like we were going to win. So I, I do. I look back and it's it's a regret. I don't know if there's, I would do anything differently, but it just sucks that we didn't win because we don't have that bond that Stanley Cup teams have because of it. And uh, I've talked with you know Chris Kelly about this. He's one of my best friends, and he went to Boston and won. And he says one of the best things about winning is that you get to kind of always get back together with the guys, and it gives you a reason to get back together. And we feel like our team in Ottawa has that same bond. We just don't have the reason to to celebrate that those groups like we had, like like teams that win have. Did you, in in, in retrospect, was there anything missing on that team? Well, like the year that our best team was probably the year that Dom Hasek got hurt at the Olympics. Right. Right. Um, I think if he plays, it's easy to say now, but if he plays, yeah. we were unbeatable. Like <laughs> he was pretty darn good still at his age and. And our team was good and we still had, we were deep. So I, I think that year, like that was a tough situation for Razor to go into. He'd never really played much. And then he was a goalie in the playoffs. And then the next year when he was more comfortable, took us to the finals. So I would say that was probably a year that I wish I could have back. And Dom maybe doesn't tweak himself, you know, at the Olympics. Yeah, that's interesting because there, I look back and, you know that uh, that I, I'm not sure you were on the team. It was before you in in uh, 
they won an overtime in Buffalo. It was, that was the coming out party for the senators where there was really some growth. Ronnie Tucknut was still the goaltender. That's how far long ago. Yeah. Not that old. <laughs> no, I know Jason. I know. But, but that, but then when you came, the, tell you what, you had a deep, deep team and you, you're, you could move the puck. You, you did have good goaltending most of the time. Um, and, and in many ways, the biggest bugaboo for you guys for the, for a lot of it were the Maple Leafs. Yes, sir. You couldn't get yeah. past the Maple Leafs. What? Three times, three times, maybe. And that yeah, was, four, that, was fr- yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. frustrating. Yeah. But I, I kind of came in, I was kind of the young guy coming in towards the end of that. So okay. I, I, I really only had one year of that. Uh, the last year there when uh, Newendike scored a couple in game seven, that was kind of my, my, uh, my only playoff series against the Leafs. And then after that, we dominated them. So it was pretty good. Uh, it's McCallum, it's Shannon, and uh, we uh, welcome you aboard. And uh, joining us today, just freshly back from Tokyo and his first experience at the Olympic Games, Mackenzie Hughes is uh, with us from uh, Charlotte. Well, that was, uh, I would imagine, uh, you're not happy with the way you played. I'm quite sure of that. But I, I would think that the whole experience was almost otherworldly, was it? Yeah, it was. It was um, sort of a surreal experience to be uh, to be a part of um, an event like that, where it feels like it's um, a lot bigger than just uh, one individual sport or athlete. And there's just a um, a completely different feel to that event uh, than any other I've played in. So um, it was it was very special to be a part of, and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm itching to get back already for, uh, for Paris. First of all, do you know what time zone you're in? Because you between uh, uh, between playing in the UK and now playing in Japan, you're you've been bouncing around a few time zones. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not really sure where I'm at right now, but uh, my feet are on the ground here, so that's uh, that's important. But um, yeah, it's been a little bit tough getting used to the time, and um, yeah, I think that was an adjustment um, playing the last few weeks. I've not done that very often where I bounce around that many different time zones so drastically. Um, you know, it's one thing if, if it's a few hours, but uh, Japan was 13 hours ahead. So yeah. um, pretty, uh, pretty shocking to the body, but um, you know, stuff you got to do to uh, compete at the highest level. So um, obviously Tokyo was your first appearance at an Olympic games as a participant. Had you ever, did you go to Vancouver by any chance? No, I've I really had no uh, personal experience with the games. Um, so yeah, that was really my my maiden voyage, uh, competing or or witnessing it with my eyes. So um, yeah, I know it was a lot different than um, past games, uh, given everything going on in the world. So yeah, uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting to the next games, where um, yeah, you might be able to go see a few of the events and uh, you know take in a bit, bit more of that experience. That's Paris, France. Not a bad place, Paris, France. Not bad, not bad. I like, so it, I like bread. I like bread, too, so I could, I'd fit right in. Um, were you slated to go last year? Um, so when the team would have been picked, um, I was not on the team. So uh, I benefited from the extra year um, that we were given to qualify. Now, um, we didn't, we didn't play the three months leading, leading up to the selection process there. So, I mean, 
again, I would have liked, I'd like to have said that maybe I uh, could play my way on the team, but as it, as it was um, last June, I was not on the team. So um, like I said, I benefited from that and, um, you know, felt fortunate to be on the team uh, this time around. What was the criteria for the selection process? Was it FedEx, FedEx cup points? Was it, what was it? Uh, it was world ranking. So they just went off the world ranking and they took the, the two highest ranked Canadian players. Um, so pretty black and white. You kind of knew where you were at the whole time. And um, yeah, not much of a, of a secret who was going to qualify kind of, um, you know, when it got down to the end, it was kind of, you, you knew you had a pretty, I knew I had a pretty good chance, you know, with probably two months or so to go. Um, but you never know. I mean, someone can get hot and, uh, and fly past you. So uh, you just kind of got to take care of what you, uh, what you can. I know, um, I, I know that as a professional athlete, this, uh, the Olympic world is a little different, but uh, every pro athlete I've talked to about the going to the Olympics, the only thing they talk about all the time is the village. Uh, was that the case for you as well? So we actually, uh, given where the golf course was located, we didn't stay in the village. So we stayed um, a little closer to the golf course. The, the village was an hour and a half, one way to the golf course. So three hours driving each day. So we opted for something a bit closer. Now we still had a long drive ourselves, but we were a little bit closer. Um, but I did go down to the village one day and I thought it was, uh, was really neat and kind of made me want to have that experience next time potentially. So I think that, uh, you know, if Paris, um, you know, if I'm lucky to be part of that next team, um, I think I'd try to stay down there at the village, um, for at least a night or two, um, to take that in and, um, experience what that's like. We understand that given the COVID situation, no fans are allowed into um, most of the venues for the Olympics. Outside of Tokyo, I guess there are some that are allowed in, but certainly in Tokyo not. You had some fans um, at the golf course, but were you allowed to go to any other events? And did you take advantage of that? No. So that that was uh, kind of what I was alluding to before, is that uh, we unfortunately weren't able to really do anything. We couldn't... Uh, couldn't go see other events, couldn't leave the, the hotel. So we were really, um, you know, strapped as to what we could do over right. there. And um, it made for um, not long days, but just, um, you know, very repetitive days as far as like, you know, get up, van ride the course, pr practice, play, and then we'd come home. Um, so that was pretty much all we did. And, um, you know, thankfully we had, we had a great group group of people over there and you know uh so that's, oh. that's my son <laughs> saying um, hello yeah saying hello um but uh yeah we had a great group over there we had a lot of fun but um no i would have loved to have seen uh some of the other events and, and be able to watch some of the other athletes how would you define your relation sorry john how would you define no, your relationship with Corey? um you, you were, you're both Canadians, but you weren't teammates, essentially, on this. You were a couple of individuals striving for the same objective. Are you guys pals? Yeah, we're, we're great pals. Um, we've known each other for a long time. Um, he was in my wedding and uh, vice ah. versa. Um, we've known each other for uh, uh, 10, 15 years at least. So 
Um, and we've competed alongside each other the whole time. I mean, whether it was junior golf or amateur golf, uh, we both went to Kent State University. So I spent two years with Corey there. He was uh, two years behind me. So uh, we've really done things together the whole way along. Um, and uh, I've gotten to know him really well. And yeah, so it was, it was kind of cool. And I thought that um, it would have been neat if there was some sort of team aspects to the competition. I think it would add a nice little dynamic to it. Um, some different, you know, side stories where, you know, you might have a teammate that's, you know, not in contention for a medal. One guy is, but then, you know, as far as the team goes, you know, that guy that's not in the medal running himself individually might play around, you know, the round of his life to help the team earn a medal. So I think the next time around, um, I'd love to see him be a bit more creative with, uh, you know, a couple of different formats and, um, you know, just, just make it a bit more interesting, I think. How did, the, how did how did this golf course compare to the courses you play on the tour? Um, I say very similar. I mean, we'll, we'll, we play courses like that. Um, you know, one that came to mind was probably um, like a colonial country club type thing. Um, just very traditional tree-lined uh, golf course. And um, it was kind of right there in front of you. Nothing really tricked up about it. And um, – but was definitely like a, a tour caliber golf course um, was in phenomenal shape. I mean, we are kind of spoiled, but they had not um, had a round of golf there in three months leading wow. up to uh, the competition. So, I mean, you can imagine like there was like not a divot in the fairway. Uh, the greens were, were perfect. So um, yeah, we, we were treated to a nice golf course last week and um certainly one that was uh was a good test um you didn't play well i mean i have to be blunt i I would think you would concur that you're not you weren't happy with the way you played yeah um and yet uh you know you had the lead in the u.s open you finished uh top 10 at the at the open championship the prognosis the direction of your game seemed to be going in the right direction uh, joining us from Parts Unknown, where the hell are you? P.K. Subban is with us. Where you at? Parts Unknown. Uh, I am in New Jersey right now. Yeah. Would you have to think sure. about it for a minute? You're not sure? Well, no, I was thinking Parts Unknown. Isn't that the show on Netflix? Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Anthony Bourdain's. That's the old Anthony Bourdain, Bourdain. Uh, show. Anthony yeah. Bourdain. Oh, yes. yeah. I- of that great show by the way uh how's your pop first of all family's well uh big carl's good everybody's doing well can't complain um very happy about that especially during this time everyone's great so no complaint how much time have have you have you been able to cross border have you come home at all uh, pk no you know what uh lindsey and i we wanted to we had plans act we had just like a lot of people, I'm sure, we had plans for the off season to get up to Toronto. And I always love to go to Muskoka um, in the summertime and spend a couple weeks up there. Um, Jim and Kim Williams are very good friends. Uh, Edward Rogers, I always pop over to his cottage um, in the summertime. And we had plans to go up there because Lindsay loves it. And uh, we just never got a chance to. And then 
by the time we realized um, kind of everything that was going on, there was that 14 day quarantine was slapped. And it's just, it's just tough to be mm -hmm. able to do the 14 days for me. And I waited too long, I guess. Uh, but that 14 day quarantine kind of put a nix in that. So I haven't been home. No. Well, say hi to your dad for me, will you? Uh, off the top. I would. Uh, what, this has been a rather lengthy off season already for you. You uh, didn't go into the bubble. You, um, you didn't play after having played since the middle of March. What do you, and all things considered, what have you been doing? Oh man. Well, when the pause happened, I stayed in New Jersey for about two weeks um, about two and a half weeks and I trained here, just hung out at home. And then after about a week and a half, I just sort of figured that we probably weren't going to get back there. And then after about two and a half weeks, a month, um, I spoke to Tom Fitzgerald and he had said, listen, if you'd like to go home, you can, it doesn't look like anything will be starting up now. And, uh, Lindsay and I ended up getting a place in Beverly Hills. Um, so we, it was nice cause we just got to move right in on April 4th. And then I literally for the first 12 weeks, Gunnar Peterson, who's the trainer out there, I worked out with him, um, every day, uh, five days a week for about 12 weeks. And then I took a bit of a break and then started my strength program. Cause I knew now that it was going to be a really long time before we could play. So sort of slowed things down and. Um, but the rest has been good. It's just been training. I started my own podcast as well. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, which was fun. By the way, I got a lot of respect for people that do podcasts. They're not easy. <laughs> Take a lot of research, a lot of time. Uh, but that was fun. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, did a little bit of traveling, went to Mexico for a little bit. Um, but other than that, just relaxing, man. I mean, I haven't had too many off seasons where I haven't played in the playoffs. So I'll take the rest. Yeah, what was that like for you? I mean, you were, you were one of those seven teams that, uh, that didn't make the 24. Uh, you did, and, and quite frankly, your team didn't play well enough for the, particularly the second half of the season to, to be good enough to play. What was it like to watch all that hockey and, and, and want to be involved and not be there? Well, you know what? Um, it, was, it sucks for me. Um, and I know it sucks for the rest of our teammates, but... Um, you know, you know, I'm 31. Um, every year that goes by is a chance to, to win the Stanley Cup and to not be playing, you know, in the playoffs is just, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it really bothers me um, every year that we're at least not playing for, in the playoffs and getting an opportunity. Um, some of the guys on our team are really young and they're going to learn that. I mean, my first year before I even played my first full season, I got to the Eastern Conference Final, Dreaming. and we lost to Philly. And I really thought it was going to be easy to get back there again, and it wasn't. Um, so, you know, I definitely understand how tough it is, but it was tough. It was tough to watch the playoffs and watch guys playing and, and competing for it, um, knowing that our team, you know, is good enough to compete there. But you're right. We, we just didn't play well enough. And uh, But I'm optimistic about – this time off, I mean, it gives guys like Jack Hughes and Nico and some of our young guys, Bradder, um, some more time to just work on their skills and get in the weight room and develop a little bit more. It gives guys like me time 
to rest a little bit. So I'm hoping that uh, we have a much better start to the season this year. So you've you've been doing dry land training. Have you have you been on the ice much? Yeah. So I've been in Jersey now for three weeks, and I've been skating with uh, a bunch of guys here. Um, some of our veteran players, Paul Mary, Zay Jack, and then some of the younger guys too. It's been kind of cool. Um, uh, Kevin Ball and some of our young prospects that are out there, and it's just nice to get on the ice with some young guys too, and and feed off their energy and and that's been cool so we've been skating for a couple weeks um which has been nice but as you know we got it looks like we're going to still have a long time and a lot of time until camp starts you know guys guys say all the time you know i i we've been we've been skating so tell me what you do when you get on the ice with a bunch of your pals in these impromptu sessions is it a is it a giant game of shinny or what well, I'll tell you this, you know, it was, it was kind of a shock for me because I'm one of the guys that likes to really do a lot of work in the gym in the off season, you know, um, mm -hmm. I kind of switched that and it's kind of interesting because I think as your career goes on, you start to get on the, the ice earlier and earlier as years go by. Um, but for some of the young prospects, they've been skating for months now, right? And yeah. for some of the older guys have been skating a little bit too. So, you know, I've come out for a couple of weeks and we're right into flow drills and two-on-ones. And But it's great. It's great to do that because we all have that competitiveness of not being on the ice for seven months and not playing. So it's nice to have that every day rather than looking at the same four walls you've been looking at for seven months. Um, but it hasn't been too many scrimmages. I don't think we, we haven't no. scrimmaged at all, just two-on-ones and drills. How much uh, interaction, PK, have you had with your new coach, Lindy Ruff? Yeah, I spoke to Lindy um, about maybe a week and a half after he was hired. Um, we had a really good conversation. Um, you know, I've been in touch with Fitzy uh, a lot over the, the summer just because we, we didn't even know if he was going to come back and, as uh, the, uh, the, our GM. Um, and then when that happened, I was very excited because I love Fitzy and I think he's great. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, I only spoke to Lindy once. Um, and then we said that we were going to keep in touch if there was anything. So, But my conversation with him was great. And obviously, I had him at the Olympics and had a great experience with him there, working with him every day. So I'm excited. Do you, you, will your – I mean, has he ever given any indication? Do you think your game will change or what you'll – I mean, I, I hate to say it, but you're sounding a ton more mature right now than, you know, you were when you started uh, when coming out of Hamilton to go to play for the Canadians. Uh, you know, you're going to have a big role in this club. You're going to have a vital role helping a lot of those young kids. You know what? And I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, I think first you also – one thing about watching the playoffs is where the league has come to. And it's very, very exciting – to see some of the young players that come into the league. Speaking as far as defensemen goes, I know Victor Hedman's been around a while, right? And so he's played in the league a while and he came in uh, right around the time I did. But to see guys like Heiskanen and McCarr and Quinn Hughes, it's just fun to watch these guys. And, you know, I, that's sometimes I got to remember that I came in the league 10, 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. It goes by fast. So, I'm excited at the opportunity now to be on the other end where, you know, I can still be that guy and, and play big minutes every night, but 
be in a role where I can help and bring guys along. And, you know, being able to skate with that Kevin Ball every day has been great as well, Riley Walsh. So it's been great to see these prospects coming. I'm looking forward to that opportunity to have that impact on those guys. It's, it's exciting. It's different. Uh, but it definitely gives you that fulfillment on your team. But but let's let's face it, you are a puck moving defenseman, and if there was anything mm-hmm. that's always in demand in this league, it's a puck moving defenseman. All the guys you mentioned that you loved watching, yes. all those young guys, that's what they are, and that's what you yes. are. Yes. No, a hundred percent. And I think that you know we're seeing more and more of them um, now around the league. But here's the thing: it's they're very tough to find right and and it's hard you need to have those players and you look at Tampa you, you look at the role that Victor Hedman played you look at the role that Heiskanen played in Klingberg they played huge, huge roles on their team but they also have a lot of great players that they play with mm-hmm. and you know but look at Tampa how have they built that team people can talk about McDonough and free agents that they picked up and and Bogosian but they built that team through the draft. Vasilevsky, Sir, right? They acquired Sergachev, yeah. but they acquired him early. All these young players, Palat, Kucherov, right? Stamkos, who wasn't even playing, Yanni Gord. So they acquired a lot of these young prospects. So in a lot of ways, I look at this opportunity in New Jersey. If veterans like myself do the right job, maybe that can be us in a year. You know, maybe that could be us in two years. With uh, P.K. Subban on the podcast, uh, so you mentioned the draft, or John did, and um, you know, we are in the midst of it as uh, as this airs. Uh, and it has been 13 years since you were drafted. Have you do you pay any attention to the uh, to the entry draft to the amateur draft? Um, you know what? There have been more summers that where I have. Obviously, my brothers uh, went the draft as well. Sure. So those years, sure. I paid attention to it a little bit more. Um, but now when you, when you become more of a student of the game and you, you like to watch games and, and, and listen and learn uh, and understand it, I do pay attention to prospects because here's the thing, Bob and John. In the league now, there's a new wave of players coming in, young players. So, you know, I'm, now when you go on the ice, there's some players you don't even recognize half of the team, right? Yeah. So it's like even for me to, to – to, understand and learn about some of the players that are coming in the league um, is huge for me as well. So I, I like to watch it. Like I said, the playoffs, I've watched more hockey than I've ever watched before. And it was a lot of fun. So I look forward to the draft. I'll watch it. What do you think, you know, one of the issues that, that we don't know if, if junior hockey is going to be played uh, this winter at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the economics do not support the theory that it will. Um, can you even contemplate what it would be like for you being in this kind of a situation where you go, you're going into your draft year and you have nowhere to play? What, do you, what, what would you have done? Have you thought about that? No, it bothers me, to be honest with you. I have thought about that for these players. And... I think that's why I've tried to take the opportunity to work as hard as I can with this time, because, you know, if I'm being honest, I mean, listen, I, uh, this pandemic is, is going to impact a lot of players, both in their development, a lot of players playing in the league. And if I'm being frank, I mean, listen, I got my signing bonus July one, I can sit here and 
a cushy house and hang out and just wait for the time. Um, but I also think about all these players that are just dying for an opportunity to play sure. that it's their draft year. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what's happening. It's terrible. It really is. It's terrible. And, uh, you know, so I feel for those players and I guess that's kind of maybe why I'm out there on the ice with these young guys every day is, you know, these are a lucky few that get to be able to get into a city and, and be around you and learn from you and, and whether they're going to be on the team or not. Um, but you try to help those guys as much as they can. It really is unfortunate. I've spoken to so many parents that, you know, their kids are just trying to just to stay in it. And it's, it's tough. It sucks. What, uh, what do you remember what your draft day when, when Canadians took you, what do you remember? And, and whose hand, do you remember whose hand you shook first? <laughs> well, I remember definitely the draft for a couple of reasons, but quickly I, I, I wasn't planning on going to the first round, uh, the, the draft at all, actually, because um, I didn't go to the combine. I, I don't think I was ranked in the top 100 players. So, um, but based on interviews, I, I got interviewed by uh, Florida, uh, Washington, and Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh was the team that potentially could take me on the first day, um, barring that one of the players that they wanted to take was taken earlier, and he wasn't. So they, they ended up picking Angelo Esposito. And I don't know if they would have taken me if, if he would have been selected earlier, but um, that's what I was told. So I had to go home and put my suit back on for day two. And, but I was still excited. And the Rangers came up to me at the, around the 40th pick and said they were going to take me at 46. And uh, I was excited about that because they brought me into Westchester to train with Kevin Shattenkirk. And, um, and then Montreal took me 43rd and they had my name stitched on the jersey. And I think people know the story about my dad and how big of a Habs fan he is. So it was, it was huge. I remember his face. I remember my family being in tears. I also remember my buddy Eric Tingrady going 42nd, my buddy Eric Pelugi going right after me. So it was a cool day for me. What about uh, what about Jordan? Sorry, Bob, but what about uh, Jordan and Malcolm? I mean, you were there for them getting drafted too, and uh, when you think about how deep the family was, and three three Subban boys drafted in the National Hockey League, my oh my oh my! Draft day is a special day in your house. It is, you know, and it was an exciting time. You know, first of all, Malcolm, I was so proud of him because, you know, he changed to be a goaltender at 11 or 12 years old. And, you know, he was a phenomenal hockey player. Like Malcolm was a tremendous skater. He could play the game. But whenever we would play shitty on the backyard rink, um, he would always want to go in net. And Jordan and I would always be the players. And um, so we weren't surprised when he wanted to switch to goaltender and then to see him go to the Boston Bruins rival to the Canadians at the time was definitely really cool. And Jordan's experience, I mean, you know, just at that wait to see the third one go, you know, to have all three of us, it was cool. We had that picture with all three of us drafted and it was definitely some special experiences there. It's funny, isn't it? How goaltenders, when they get an opportunity to play shinny, um, don't want to play goal. And guys who are forwards <laughs> or defensemen will go, hey, I'll do that. You know, nobody wants to play where they usually play. I, I know I've told this story a million times, but 
I used to play ball hockey with Mike Palmatier when he when he was playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He would never, when we had a ball hockey game on Sunday morning, he would never go in net. You know, give me a little thin stick. Let me show you what I can do out there. It's a funny thing, isn't it? No, it, it always happens. And Malcolm loves to play out too now. He still loves to go out and show the players that he's got hands and that he used yeah. to be able to go back in the day. Carey Price does it. We see that all the time all on time. social media when he goes out there and plays. It's you know what it's love for the game, right? And uh, you know I used to play center growing up. I played on a line with Steven Stamkos. You know I taught him a few things, right? You guys saw him come down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but love of the game, and when you when you're a student of the game and you enjoy it, you, you don't care where you play. You just want to play. Well, you you've served this one up on a platter for me because. Malcolm, in my mind, was part of one of the key events of the Stanley Cup playoffs. When he and Matt Dumba and Darnell Nurse stood at center ice and Matt uh, knelt down and, and Matt made an unbelievable speech. Uh, what was that like for you to watch? And, uh, and what was it like when you talked to Malcolm about it? Um, you know, I spoke to Malcolm about it. And, you know, Malcolm was very, very positive. I think for him... Uh, it was a lot as well because he's new to the league. You know, Malcolm's been in the league for a couple of years now. But, you know, Malcolm's – anybody that knows our family knows that myself, Malcolm, and Jordan, we're all very different. Mm -hmm. And if you got to know Malcolm, you probably wouldn't even believe he's my brother with how different our personalities are. So, you know, I know with Malcolm, it was important to him um, to be a part of something. Uh, you know, but I also say this, uh, you know, Shani, that – it, it, everybody has to figure out how they want to have the impact, right? And, and especially for the black players in the NHL, not all of them have had the same experiences. Not all of their experiences have been the same. And, you know, we also have to remember, you know, I can walk around and make statements based on the, the, the experiences that I've had in my life and try to rectify those experiences with what I do moving forward. But I think that what we're all trying to accomplish here is not about the past or what experiences we've had. It's just really about the hockey community and what we're all doing moving forward. I think that's so powerful because it is about the game. And as much as it's about things and everybody being inclusive, the game has given us all so much. It's given us jobs. It's given us ways to provide for our families. So, you know, we also have to protect that, manage that, and help improve our game. And I think that that's a tremendous start. Everything that happened was a great start, but I look forward to, um, to more happening soon. So there you go. Some of the best of uh, the Bob McCown podcast from the past 12 months as uh, we take a little vacation here. Much well, to the chagrin of the audience, I'm sure. Well, no, no, not much of a vacation uh, when you think of what's going on in the world, Bob. It's still, uh, but you know what? It's a good time to spend your family. It's a good time to uh, have some some quiet time, enjoy some eggnog and some festive spirit. Uh, happy holidays to y'all from John and I, and uh, we'll see you in the first week of January. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.